Welcome to episode two of the From the Top podcast, a podcast of first. My name is Stanton Watson, and again, as your host, my goal is to experience as many first things as I can and use those experiences to rate whether I want to keep doing that thing. So this could be the first episode of a show or a first movie in a series. It could be the first book in a series or an author's first book or a first chapter in a book, a first song on an album, which I've done before, a a first menu item, which is coming up on this episode. There's just endless possibilities. So I'm hoping to just use as many different first experiences or first things as I can to evaluate, should I keep doing that based on the first impression I have with that thing? Uh, I do want to clarify and make clear from the top that I'm not going to backtrack and revisit things that I've already done. I'm not going to go back and watch the first movie in a series if I've already seen the series or the first episode or read the first book because I already know that I would have kept doing that thing. And I don't know that I can go back from the perspective of not having done it before. But as new series come out of shows that I've already seen or properties that I've already seen, like a new Marvel series or a Star Wars series or, or maybe a new season of a show, a new book series by an author that I've read before, I can do those things. Just I don't want to go back and pretend that I haven't done something that I've done before. Uh, this project, this podcast, is inspired by my students. I'm a high school English teacher, as I established in the first episode. But I'm inspired by my students who I have completing their own independent projects, and I want to use this to inspire them. If they can do a project of their own design, of their own creation, then I want to do the same thing. And I just thought this would be a cool opportunity to do something I've always wanted to do, which is have a podcast. So to get into it today, the, the thing I'm going to review, the first thing that I'm going to take from the top is the first item on the Whataburger menu. I live in Tennessee where Whataburger is brand new to our state. Uh, I believe it was introduced for the first time in Texas in the 50s. But based on what I can tell, there has not been a Whataburger in Tennessee before this year in 2022. So this was a suggestion from a student. It's a chain that I've heard of plenty of times. Whataburger and In-N-Out burger chains like that are not popular here or common here, but they're making their way over. And Whataburger, this is my first chance to review one of those. Uh, There's still not one anywhere near where I live in Tennessee, but I was at the Tennessee game this past weekend traveling across the state. On the way home, I happened to come across a Whataburger. I knew that it had been suggested to me, and so I thought, why not take the chance? I couldn't pass up the opportunity. Uh, and I promised that I would do that at some point this semester to get that on the podcast. I do want to say I'm a little self-conscious, though, about reviewing a food. And number one, this is because it's a fast food and, you know, the associations that go with fast food. And uh, to look at me, you'd know that I'm not a stranger to fast food. I've had my fair share. And I'm just worried, like, what does a, a well-versed conversation on fast food say about me. But anyway, we all know fast food. We've all had more of it than we probably needed, but it wouldn't be popular if it wasn't good or at least readily available and good. But also worried that I may just not have the vocabulary to evaluate food effectively. And so maybe I lack the words or the comparisons needed to really discuss the ins and outs of the taste. But I think for the most part, uh, I can describe my thoughts and my take on the uh, on the first item on the Whataburger menu. In thinking about this, I am going to kind of rely on my fanhood of Food Network shows. I'm a really big fan of watching Food Network, all the cooking competitions or 
all the Guy Fieri shows where he goes and uh, diner drive-ins and dives and things like that. So if they can do it, then why not give it a shot for myself? It's given me a new appreciation, at least, of what those people have to do, especially the judges who have to compare food and draw a distinction. Uh, so what I did, I went to the Whataburger and I was following my own rules. I ordered the number one because I wanted to start from the top of the Whataburger menu. Even though there are many other more interesting items on the menu that I hope to get a chance to try now that I've had the first one. And, but I did want to follow the rules. So I ordered the number one, which is just a single patty cheeseburger with fries and a drink. My first reaction to the burger was that it's just a pretty good size burger. And I wonder if that's where the name comes from. I guess if I'd have done a little bit of research, I might have known that like, oh, what a burger, because you see the size of it, maybe probably a combination of that and the taste, I guess, is what they're going for. But that's the first thing you notice when you open it. It's a pretty good size for a burger and not a bad price for the size that you're getting. I would say it's bigger than just a regular cheeseburger from McDonald's or Burger King for sure. And it's probably most similar to the size of a Sonic cheeseburger, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, So I was excited to see that. And it tasted like one too. I'd compare it most close to the taste of a Sonic cheeseburger. A point in its favor, though, is that the bun, I think, is less dense or bready then uh, that's not a real word, but I'm going to use it here. It's less bready, I guess, than a Sonic bun. And it had, to me, more of a buttery taste. So for those reasons, I would prefer the Whataburger bun to something like a Sonic bun. I just think, as far as buns go, the bun should add to a burger, or at least not detract from it. If it's not going to add anything to it, it shouldn't be a distraction. I shouldn't have to get through the bun just to get to the burger. It should be a part of it, something that you know you want to eat, not just something you have to get through. And I think you know the Whataburger bun, it does the job. It's a part of the burger. It's, it's part of the fun and of the taste. It's not just there. I also noticed that the cheese tasted a little bit thicker than you might be accustomed to from a fast food chain. And it actually tasted like a piece of cheese, American cheese, that you'd get from a deli, really. Um, and, you know, as you take a bite in and you're comparing, you know, it's fast food. You've had other fast food burgers before. I'm trying to think what's the difference, what's differentiating it. And the cheese definitely stands out. Other than the burger itself, pretty much, I don't know how much you can really spice up a fast food burger, just a plain burger itself, tasted most similar to me to a Sonic burger. I'd say that the bun and the cheese was better. So that was a pleasant surprise. I just wasn't sure exactly what to think or, or what my opinion would be going into it. But those were my comparisons, I guess. The fries that came with it I thought were pretty good too. They look most similar to me to a McDonald's fry, but the texture, the crispy texture of a Burger King fry. Now my personal favorite fries, again, this kind of shows off how much I have eaten from fast food places that I probably shouldn't have. I'll acknowledge that. But my favorite are probably Wendy's fries or if you're going a little bit more upscale, a place like Five Guys Fries. And you either either really like Five Guys Fries or you really don't because they're kind of greasy and they just kind of pile them on. But I love fries from those places. Now these, I would not say were as good as a Wendy's or a Five Guys, but pretty similar, kind of a cross between McDonald's and Burger King's fries. I also like a curly fry from Arby's, but that's kind of its own category, I think. Not really a comparison. So in in comparison to these other more popular chains, I guess, the Whataburger fries definitely hold their own. They were very crispy, not too bland though, although some of mine may have been a little bit overdone, but I think you're gonna get that in just about any batch. 
So I, I want to say, though, that the star of the whole meal, and I, maybe I broke the rules a little bit, was the dipping sauce that I ordered. It did not come with the meal, but they just had a wide variety of their own dipping sauces there. And how are you not going to get that? How are you not going to try a dipping sauce, especially if it's unique to that restaurant? So I ordered the creamy pepper sauce just to go with the fries. Just um, A sauce to me is its own appeal. Uh, I, if, if I'm ordering something that comes with the sauce, I'm just as excited about the dipping sauce. And so I really just got the sauce to have an excuse, you know, just to dip the fries in it. And I, it was worth it. That might have been my favorite thing about the meal. And that might be the thing that gets me to go back there because the burger was fine. I'm not going to go out of my way, you know, a few hours from home just to get this, obviously. But And I don't know that I'd be just thrilled to choose Whataburger over a different option. But... What would get me back there is to try one of the other menu items, which they had a lot of menu items, and they look very exciting and adventurous. But I had to follow the rules, went with the number one. But the sauce is definitely a draw. And the creamy pepper sauce that I tried was very good to go with the fries. So I would highly encourage you to try the sauces, especially that one, with your fries. So that concludes my review of the number one from Whataburger. Turns out I had a little bit more to say about it than I thought I did. But if I've missed the point or if there's something else from there now that I've been there once that I should try, or maybe a different restaurant that maybe you think I haven't tried, I should try the number one there, please let me know. You can always let me know any suggestions at podfromthetop at gmail.com. All right. For my next review of the episode, I'm going to talk about Tales of the Jedi, which is a new animated Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I am a big Star Wars fan. I'm a lot bigger into the movies and the live action shows that I've seen on Disney or uh, just, you know, the theatrical releases and things like that. Watched as any good Star Wars fan should have. I've watched the original trilogy, prequels and sequels countless times. And as everybody knows, I'm not saying anything new or profound here. They are of varying quality. A lot of them are worth, the story is worth more than some of the depictions at times. And you have to be a true believer to really stick with all of it. But at the core of it there's just a lot of good themes but we're just going to talk about tales of the jedi i'm not really here to talk about or break down the whole star wars saga i i I say all that to say i don't have as much familiarity with the animated shows and i know there's clone wars there's rebels i'm sure i'm missing some off the top of my head but the animation style of tales of the jedi is really similar to those shows at least the back end of clone wars where the technology and uh, the budget probably was a little bit more updated looks a lot like Clone Wars and Rebels. I'd say as far as animation style, it's more detailed and textured than early Clone Wars for sure. It's less stylized and edgy and cartoonish like you would see in in the Clone Wars show. And and, uh, I think they were trying to make the most of the backgrounds and the setting, the characters more realistic. Some of the characters just, while I'm thinking about it, looked a bit more detailed and developed than others and i don't really know what the what the choice was there but some of the characters in this episode just seem to have had more time put into them at least they're uh, bringing them to life on screen but what tells the jedi seems to be and as i review these things i try not to do too much research going into it because i want the first thing to speak for itself i want to base my opinion off of not what i know is coming up but just based on the first episode or the first thing or whatever it is what i keep going when i keep watching it but it's seems to me that this is an anthology show just we're talking about different jedi or different sith or whatever different villains different characters however they play into the saga their origins or something interesting about their story that we wouldn't get in more of a mainstream episode or series or movie so the first episode 
is called Life and Death, and it is about the birth of Ahsoka, who is in Clone Wars, and I'm sure in a lot of the books, which I, I've got my eye on, I, I want to know more about the backstory and the saga that's in the books and how the, the, the how they've reset the canon. I know a lot of the original books are now uh, Star Wars Legends, and then they've reset the canon as Disney you know, bought Star Wars. But I don't know a lot about Ahsoka other than she's Anakin's Padawan, and I know that she's been in the more recent Mandalorian series she's made an appearance. Uh, so it's interesting to, to get to know a little bit more about Ahsoka and Certainly, I do. I do plan to get more familiar with the Clone Wars show. You know, I've watched several episodes. I just when you've got so much to choose from with so little time, it's it's kind of harder to get back into a show like that when I want to know things about it. But it is obviously for kids, and all of it's for kids, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, it's just kind of hard to get into and really get invested. But anyway, this episode's about the birth of Ahsoka and her home race, which are the Togruta, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I didn't do research, but I believe. They're the Togruta, and uh, you learn a little bit about our home race, their their beliefs, and their culture. Which I can see why they would start here, because a lot of what it seems to be the natural beliefs of this race is a lot of the beliefs of the Jedi, essentially that there's life in everything, which is the force. Everything is connected. Life should be valued, no matter if it's the life of a person or an animal, and that it shouldn't be wasted. But also that death is not something you should fear. It's something that you should not embrace necessarily, but not fear. You should face it head on. So at the beginning, it looks like some a part of the culture of where Ahsoka is from is that you go on a kind of ceremonial first hunt when you're a year old. So Ahsoka's mother takes her on this hunt, and this is really you really get to see some of that detail and texture of the environment. It's very realistic, and it is beautiful animation. It kind of makes you wonder because it is so peaceful, and it, it, it seems to be more informative. It de- the action does pick up, but early on you wonder, is this was this worth a show that they obviously spent money on? Because it just seems like they're just trying to flesh out these different worlds in these different cultures. You do learn more about it, but you still, I'll just say ahead of time in the episode wondering, was this worth knowing, especially if we're not going to come back to it. But I'll talk more about that in a second. So her mother takes her on this hunt and what looks like her grandmother, I believe, seems to represent this uh, wise old, you know, village kind of, um, mystic or some kind of character like that who is saying some type of prayer to to watch over her and keep her safe and it seems like she knows the importance of this hunt that it could be a dangerous situation as i said the lesson that the mother is teaching ahsoka in this episode is the, about the value of life and learning how you're connected with nature and how to interact with nature including when you're going on a hunt and that's that's a theme and a message that's even applicable to us you know the idea of what the purpose or what our relationship with animals should be that no they are here for us to hunt and consume and 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 but we should respect all forms of life even as we interact with wildlife before hunting it for food so it seems definitely as part of this culture that's a big deal to go on this hunt and to take the life of an animal something you should definitely think about as far as this culture is concerned it's a spiritual experience it seems like that recognizing that all of life has a place and has value And they also make it a point to recognize that death is a part of life, like I said, and to face it head on rather than fearing it since it is just a part of life. So this is where, you know, you see a scene where the mother kills what looks kind of a cross between a deer 
and a gazelle. And uh, it's this kind of teaching moment for the baby to at least, whether or not she understands it, to at least see and experience and kind of get used to for the first time. And then you see in the background, there is a giant saber-toothed tiger-like creature who is actually hunting the mother. So you have that predator-prey relationship between Ahsoka's mom and this animal, this gazelle-looking creature, and then you turn the tables and there's this tiger creature who is uh, hunting down Ahsoka and her mother. So the mother squares off against the tiger, backing up her own advice about not running from death, but facing death. She puts up a fight, and while she does fight it off, the tiger takes baby Ahsoka, who doesn't really recognize the danger she's in. And this is when you start to realize, on top of the message that it's sending about life and death, what the purpose of this episode is, is to realize when Ahsoka and her family really first realized that she was a Jedi, that she's force sensitive because the tiger doesn't hurt her. It threatens to, but she's able to tame it, not through any intention of her own, just because she's force sensitive. And she has that connection, even as a baby with the force, that she can fend off this tiger, even though it clearly wants to eat her. It's pretty clear that it's because of her relationship with the force and this underlying explanation of the spirituality in this village and her family and her people that she's able to escape that. So that tiger, actually, she gets it to return her to the village, again, presumably through the Force. At the end of the episode, just thinking back on it, reflecting on it, it's interesting to get this backstory as as it's essentially Ahsoka's origin story. Uh, like I said, it's not a character I know a ton about, but it is interesting and cool to see how the Force can manifest itself even in babies that don't know what they're doing. And I don't think we've seen a lot of that other than Grogu or Baby Yoda, like a lot of people know him in The Mandalorian. But even then, I think we get hints and pieces that Grogu has had some training. Uh, he knows what he's doing with the Force. So to see that a baby that doesn't even know what they're doing is able to manipulate the Force, that's an interesting touch. Uh, and it is confirmed in the end. They say it out loud that they know that this means that Ahsoka's a Jedi. And I wasn't sure if you know the rest of her village knew what being Force-sensitive meant. It seems to be the basis for their spirituality and their connection with nature, even if that's not the name or the word they have for it. So as you know point of the show is to talk about based on this episode what I keep watching and I'd have to say much as I love Star Wars based on this episode I would not keep watching I'm much more interested in Andor uh, uh, the more live action shows Boba Fett the Mandalorian the other shows that they're working on I think there's an Ahsoka show in the works but this one I just don't think I'd keep watching animation was good it's interesting to see a look at these different races and cultures that we don't know a lot about, and I'm sure those people interested in building that background of these side characters, because there are those people who are just completionists about Star Wars. They want to know everything. I, I love the main storyline. I love the Skywalker saga, and the tangential characters related to that. I just don't know that an anthology, an anthology series like this is something that I'm really looking for right now. So like I said, it's interesting to get a look at this race and culture that we don't know a lot about how these ideas were a part of her upbringing even before she ever got any Jedi training, but I just could have done without it. Definitely, if you're getting into Star Wars now, Tales of the Jedi, the animated series on Disney Plus is not where I would recommend that you get started. Uh, it's really only for people who are totally bought into Star Wars lore. They're just looking to add to what they know and build depth behind these characters they already know. But I would I would start with the main the main saga or one of those more recent live action shows in addition to the main storyline. So that's my review of Tales of the Jedi. Based on this, I don't think I'd come back for the second episode. 
All right, I have one more review for this week's episode, and you will find out very quickly that this is something that I'm the least bit qualified to review and talk about, and I don't know why anybody care about my opinion about it, but I'm going to give it anyway, because if nothing else, that's what podcasters do. They throw their opinion out there about things that nobody asked for, and sometimes some people listen to it, but a lot of times it's either... Nobody ever heard it in the first place where they make people mad. And I, I may be about to make people mad, but breaking news, really exciting news. I got my first email suggestion for this podcast. Uh, and that podcast or that email is podfromthetop at gmail.com. So I had to go with the email suggestion because I want people to feel encouraged and know that I'm looking at those emails and that I'm going to do your suggestions. And down the line, when uh, it seems like maybe there's some people listening to this, of course, maybe there could be a Patreon in the works. And one of those perks could be, you know, Patreon suggested topics get first dibs on uh, the things that I give my time to. So the suggestion coming in was to listen to the the first song on Taylor Swift's new album, Midnight's, which just came out a little less than two weeks ago now, I believe, or right at two weeks ago. I'm not much into modern music, modern pop music at least. Uh, I don't keep up with a lot of it. I really don't have the radio even turned on in the car. I'm listening to podcasts all the time now, just the things that I'm interested in the most. That is pretty much what I've devoted my listening to. But I am familiar with Taylor Swift's music. Maybe not the most recent album or two, but through my wife, I have you know inevitably heard a lot of Taylor Swift because she likes Taylor Swift a lot. And I don't mind a lot of her music. I don't keep up a lot with her relationships and that side of things. I know a lot of people do. They're interested in her life and the things she's got going on, all the different people that she's dated or whatever, all the rumors. And that's fine if that's what you're interested in. You want to know more about famous people. Just not a big Swifty myself, but I have seen Taylor Swift in concert on her Bad Reputation tour. I've heard a lot of the music from that album and the albums that came before that. Just when it was in my wheelhouse when I was that age, you know, high school, college, I heard a lot more of it. But this is going to be my first reaction to Lavender Haze, which is the first song on Taylor Swift's Midnight's album. And as soon as I turned the song on, my first thought was, yes, this is recognizably Taylor Swift from the very beginning. Even, I think, before she starts singing, you just kind of know. She's got that vibe of like a quick pulsing beat synthesizer kind of sound in the background it's just something about it is recognizable and uh it just it seems like taylor swift and so a question that i have about that because it sounds like a lot of songs that i've heard from her before not to say that she's not diverse in her background it would be easy to say that but you think back through and look at the different songs that she's had that are at least hits a lot of them sound a lot different from each other uh and she she does go through changes as an artist so it would be, you know, lazy to say that oh, all of her songs sound the same, but this song does remind me of just a lot of the songs that I've heard of hers that that stand out in my memory. It's very recognizably Taylor Swift. That does make me question though, if you're going to keep coming back to not the same sound every time, but recycle old sounds. It, that makes me question why keep coming back if she's 10 albums in, if if you're just as an artist going to keep giving us more of the same stuff and it does seem like she's been on the same message a lot pretty recently of course 
music should be a reflection of what you're going through and what you're thinking at the time. So if she keeps thinking the things that she's thinking and keeps dealing with those problems or issues, then she's going to keep singing about them. And they clearly resonate with some people because she's extremely popular, extremely famous, and extremely successful. But it does make me question that. Like, why, as a listener... Am I gonna? Am I going to keep coming back if I feel like I'm hearing the same things more or less? Let's break that discussion down a little bit. On the one hand, you've established the sound; it's what people expect, and if it's popular and it works, they just want more of it. But on the other hand, I, to me, an exciting thing about following an artist or a band as you get older and as they grow older and as they get more mature, they go through the different things as an artist is how they change and evolve their sound over time while they stay true to themselves. So they they have a sound that once that's uniquely theirs, but they vary it and change as they go through time. And this is where I can't argue with the fact that she's done that, especially since she first started. We all know that she started as more of like an innocent figure country singer, maybe not immature, but just she was young when she started. And so she had kind of a young, youthful sound. And as she's gotten older, she's definitely trying to reflect that in her music. And now she's dealing with these expectations or, that other people have and basically expressing the idea that it's not up to everybody else to tell her who or what she should be or how she should act. And maybe some of that does come from her early image of being that kind of sweet, innocent country star that she's just not that person anymore. But I do think it is interesting for me to listen to see how people change and evolve their sound over time. And like I said at the beginning, I think she's done that at least once per album, it seems like the songs that crop up and get traction do seem to be different. But as you dig into more, I guess what I'm saying is you dig into more of the um, filler songs in the middle and in between the hits, a lot of those seem to say the same. And this song definitely sounds more like some of those songs that you're more familiar with if you've listened to her full albums. Not the not the standout songs, but a lot of the songs in the middle that just kind of play, to me, Lavender Haze has much more of a vibe like that. Uh, so I would, com- I would compare that to this song has a vibe a lot like Endgame or Gorgeous or Delicate, except those songs are a little slower and a little brighter. And I definitely think with this album called Midnights, I'm thinking maybe this is this is an album and this is music that's supposed to be a little darker in tone, more mature, kind of I'm fed up with having to deal with this. And so there's a little bit of edge to, to the sound. It does feel to me like if you're familiar with the movie Drive with Ryan Gosling, I associate it with that. Uh, the music in that movie is a little slower tempo. It's synthesized it's not really club music but it is uh, it is synthesized in electronica in that kind of way where it feels like it's music you listen to at midnight like you drive around and listen to it at night and that's what this song feels like so i do like the message of the song she the message don't try to put me in a box of the woman that you think i'm supposed to be there's more possibilities for me out there than just being a one night thing or being a wife And we do place those expectations on people, whether you're a guy or a girl, that if you're dating somebody, you must be thinking about getting married. Or I don't want to get anything too serious. I don't. So it's just a one time thing. We're just going to go on a date or whatever. But it is possible to date people just to get to know them and to have a good time 
and break up with people without marrying them. And it does seem like we put more of that expectation on a woman, especially as they get not older. She's not old, but as they get out of their teens and 20s and into their 30s and we think, oh, aren't you thinking about marrying somebody? They don't have to do that. It is okay to just date and not have to have an eye towards marriage. And that seems to be one of the problems that she's addressing in this song. It's just, can I not just be in love and like what I'm doing? That's I think that's what the lavender haze is. Can I not just be caught up in this without your expectations? Like, quit telling me what to do. So I do like that message. Now, here's where I also think she's being ironic a little bit. I don't think intentionally. She keeps writing and singing songs about people who want to bring up her history with whatever guy she's dated. I have no clue. Couldn't tell you. I just know that that's the main thing that people talk about, about her. She wants to bring up that, oh, everybody wants to talk about my history. You keep you, you keep bringing this up. Quit talking about it. But she seems pretty intent on bringing it up as well in her music. But it drives the narrative, it drives the conflict, it's going to sell the songs and sell the albums. So I can see that. I I see the point. And like I said, if it's still in our mind all the time, then keep talking about it, keep singing about it. Like It sells, though, and people like the message that it's Taylor Swift against what everybody else has to think, that she can do her own thing. Uh, I just I do think in that regard, it is important to be yourself. If you truly believe in who you are and what you're doing, it's more important to be that than worry about what anybody else has to say about it. As for the music itself, the message is one thing, but as for music itself, I don't think it really tries to do a lot. And it's weird to me that this is a first song on an album. You want to start with a bang. I feel like a first song a lot of times is upbeat. Uh, vibrant and lively and gets you moving or at least gets you excited. And I don't think this song does that. And that doesn't make me want to keep listening to it. The background music itself is kind of take it or leave it. Like I said, it, it is a song that has a midnight drive kind of feel to it, but it does have a quicker tempo than those songs that I named earlier. It's upbeat. Well, it's not an upbeat feeling, but the tempo is upbeat. It's a quicker pace. But it is a a little darker, and the sound and some of the words, the language, is a little bit more mature. I also think that she doesn't, she's done it before, but not in this song. She doesn't really explore her range with her voice, especially at the end when you feel the tempo and the music in the background kind of swirling a little bit and building. You feel like this needs an explosion or like just a burst from her voice, like sing it out a little bit to show some emotion and some release, but she doesn't get there, doesn't do that, and it feels like it needs it. She just never really got there. So that's my review of Lavender Haze for whatever that's worth. I appreciate the suggestion. Based on that song, I'm following the rules. I'm not going to look ahead and see what the rest of this album sounds like, intentionally at least. I'm not going to hunt it down, but just based on that song, I don't think I would listen further to the rest of the Midnight's album, but I'm sure there's tons of people out there who are going to and they're going to buy it all five versions or whatever there are from what I understand. So she's not going to miss my listen. She's not going to miss my money. Props to her for doing her, sticking to her sound, you know, staying true to what she believes and what she wants to express. But for me, it's just not something that I think I would continue listening to. And that's perfectly fine. I hope that there's people out there who do enjoy it. So that's the end of the second episode of the From the Top podcast. I hope you've enjoyed my reviews. Try to keep a wide variety. We've gone from Whataburger to a Star Wars show, to the newest Taylor Swift album. I think that's a pretty good variety of first things. And that's that's the point of the show, to, to get exposure and experience with as many different first things as possible. So maybe I can discover something new that I want to keep going back to. 
So if you have suggestions for me that you think I'd benefit from or you want to hear me talk about, you can email those to podfromthetop at gmail.com. I do want to remind you also that this podcast is part of the Across the Top Podcast Network. You can listen to my other show, 20 for 20, where I interview my students about their independent creative projects from my English 3 class. I have an episode coming up soon this week where I'll be interviewing a pair of students who are starting their own podcast, a true crime podcast, and I'll also... I will be talking about another student who has started their own small business. So it'll be exciting to hear from those students. And lastly, I want to shout out the Yanks Across the Pond podcast, another podcast on the Across the Top Podcast Network, my friend Andrew Fisher, where he discusses major American soccer players who play for the biggest clubs around the world, as well as the upcoming United States men's national team's bid for the World Cup. So that's it for today's episode. Check back in next week. I appreciate you listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And the best thing you can do is share the podcast with your friends. Appreciate you listening. Until next time.